Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELAC825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and the 97.5 Network, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I wasn't sure if you're going to show up here today. Why? Where was I going? Well, you were suffering through the Phillies game last night, and I just wasn't sure if you were going to want to talk sports after it, that. We don't suffer through Phillies games. We well, you tell and, me what it was it. last night. because Okay, well, first, I'm hearing we'll, an we'll, echo, but we'll, that's okay. Uh, we'll get the echo yeah. worked out in one second. We'll preview the show. We're going to have Keith Pompey hop on at 4.05 and join us. Boston Scott had some telephone challenges where he was. Mm-hmm. Probably going to get him early before he goes to training camp, have him on next week's show, hopefully. Yep. Then at 4.35, we've got... Gary Waters, coach on to talk about name, image, and likeness, and lots yeah. of other questions Ru- about that. Former Rutgers guy, just for you. Just for me. We'll work on the echo that we've got going in our ears. We'll see what they can do with that. Tell me, you were there and watched it last night. Tell mm-hmm. me what's going on with this Phillies team, because normally when I message you, you're like, I don't know, I turned it off. <laughs> that's normally well, when it's I- that, But that's when it's past my bedtime. Or when, If I'm out, or, I might or, as well actually enjoy it. Or when Jose Alvarez is coming in the game. Or <laughs> well, it could be anyone. So we're 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 at the game, and who comes in? Mauricio Rivera. Yeah, how'd that work out? So so they they put it the first inning. He came in. He pitched great, and then they decided they were going to push their luck and bring him in the second inning. And they bring him in the second inning. He loads the bases. At which point, I turned to my son and I said, "He's about to get his initiation into fitting into the bullpen because he's going to walk this guy. He fit in great, and, and he walks in. He walks in a run." He fit in great with what they've got going on. You know, that followed Matt Moore's grand slam to start the game. Well, to be fair, he didn't hit it. Maybe the most shocking thing that this has happened this entire season is the second time they let Matt Moore bat, which I think was after he had ever stayed in a game that long this season. Is it me or was the team extra sloppy last night? Like, their defense is bad. But the mental, it started off right at the beginning of the game with Odubel in the outfield. Well, that, 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 that explains it. It's Odubel, okay? I mean, I can't Well, it's stand more. It. There's Segura. No, there's... but, but he, he has no head for the game of baseball. He does the wrong thing all the time. I, all I kept thinking is, what is Larry Boa thinking right now? Because Odubel gets the ball. There is a guy round, about to round third. There's a guy at first. He throws it to second base. Why did he not throw it to when, – when you're a kid, you're taught on that play. You throw it to the cutoff man at short. It's really funny you say that because I was imagining what Coach Jeff would do if player of his, Odubel, did not hit the cutoff man. <laughs> Odubel should be a verb at this point. He Odubeled yesterday. <laughs> The Phillies are now under 500 after their loss last night to the Braves. After they were up two game, they were two games above 500 before going to play the Yankees. They stand at 47 and 48. The trade deadline is just one week away. They're tied with the Braves and four games back of the Mets in first. Mm-hmm. They've got three more against the Braves starting tonight, which you'll be down there for. We'll talk about how you're cruising here's for the, more Here's pain. the best part about it. We may not be able to talk about it a lot, and we'll have to continue the we conversation. We can come back to it after if he ends up on the line. Jason has an opinion. About right, about what the Phillies should do here. Should the Phillies trade anyone now? You're just excited I have an opinion on it. I anything. am. I'm very excited about this. So what is your opinion? It may have changed in the last 20 minutes, but go ahead. Let's do the, why don't we get to the interview in a minute, and then I'll tell you where Oh, see? There you go. Look. You're, I, you're just buying your time to sit on the fence? I have told you. I think there are too many holes for them to fill. And in it, you don't even have much in the farm system to give away at this point right. to bring somebody back. 
I would start moving some of the big names to actually build a farm system. Really? And that's not what I want to do, by and, the way. And you think you're going to get such big pieces for what they have here. Zach, with, with, Zach Wheeler is the biggest value piece you have. Right. Uh, I and think, what do you think you're getting for I him? think you have to listen for offers. If, if you could get a top-line minor leaguer with a couple of second-level guys, you're not going to get starters. So you're going to have to decide... You have to make a decision one way or another. You're either in or out. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they have enough assets to be now, in. Why does everybody believe that? Because well, not everybody. Why do why do people believe that if you're playing a game and you get to the middle of the season, you have to make a decision this year whether you're completely in or completely out? Why can't you build over a period of time because as opposed to selling everything off for the chance that the, they're going to develop prospects when they've developed nobody because in they the have last no blocks years. to build with, they don't have value the, to trade their away. Development program. He, Keith's on the line. Would you like to talk to him and then no, we can go it. back to it? You're not just Hold not going to talk to no, Keith today. Keith, Keith, are you there? Jason had an opinion. It was a very exciting moment. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> see, Keith, see, Keith literally just fell off. He's surprised that I had an opinion hey, hey, too. Hey, hey, hey. No, 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 no. What I'm about to say, hey, Jason, I got. It. I want your opinion or something. Oh, I, I already gave out one opinion who, today, no, Keith. No, 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 no. Here, here, here. Just real quick. <laughs> who has the? Who has? Who's better in football? Ohio State or Michigan? That's a. Come on. Oh well, now. that's easy. Ohio State, just because Jeff's sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Man, you wait, wait a second, Keith. What, what Keith, did you I understand. do to you, Keith? You gotta understand. I come in studio <laughs> today, and I yeah. hear Jeff tell me. Do you know who the first two draft picks in the NHL draft are going to be tonight? And I'm like, why would you know that? Of course they're Michigan. Because there's no other way you know anybody drafted in the first round of the NHL draft unless they're a Michigan guy. Yeah, he tried to pull that already on me. Don't you worry. <laughs> I was just messing, Jeff. <laughs> just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, wow. What, what, happened to, what happened to the Panther code? Seriously. The Panther code? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know. But, you no. know, the Panthers, the Panthers are about to – Hopefully, getting in the big in the Big Ten after uh, Texas and all of them go to the uh, SEC. And you, then you mean, you mean the Pitt Big is Ten raise the a ACC? Huh? You mean Pitt is finally going to do what they should have done a decade and a half ago? Well, that's because. Well, look, we're not breaking news here, people. I, I just this that's just that's just my wish. But um, Pitt couldn't go because of um, you know because of Joe Paterno. Penn State didn't want him in there. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens this time around because there's a lot of dominoes to fall with Texas and Oklahoma potentially moving to the SEC. I love that we're not even talking basketball with you because we always want to talk stuff that Keith is our college, He's our college football analyst. Now. He is our college football analyst. Keith, what, what well, kind you know, of— that is my favorite sport, right? I I'm know. one of those guys. I love college football. I know, and I mean, that's— I know it's weird coming from Philly, but I do. No, that's why <laughs> and, I want and your— And having gone to Pitt. That's why I want your take. What's the chaos going to be now? Because then you got the leftover Big 12 teams that are going to have to go someplace place you're gonna have other teams that get brought in somewhere what's the keith pompey take on the college football fallout well just by staying up until three o'clock in the morning <laughs> keeping <laughs> up with this stuff last night you know they're saying that uh they think that it could drop down to four i mean excuse me three conferences they think that a lot of people are just going to you know rate here's the thing they're talking about they're going to say if Notre, they say notre dame could save the acc Right, but they kind of think that the Pac-12 people are going to leave there. You know, of course they're going. To, if the Big 12 goes, then people are going to raid the Big 12. But um, you know, it's just it's crazy, man. I, I don't know. I like it, but I think uh, Texas and Oklahoma are going to get exposed <laughs> in the uh, SEC. Well, hasn't Texas already been exposed? 
<laughs> yeah, but you know, but see, you know what's funny because Texas, like Texas, realizes that you know um, Texas A and M went there. Now Texas A and M is getting better recruits, right? Yeah, well, and that well, that's time. why it all leaked out is because Texas A and M doesn't want them coming. Yeah, exactly. They don't want them coming. But here, here's the thing. Like I think that they're going to go down there and they're going to get they're going to get exposed. The thing about Texas A and M, Texas A and M was like the little brother, not even a little brother. They were the cousin that no one like, you know, people just didn't invite to like the family weddings or. or yeah, that's what we barbecue. that's what we used that's what we used to call Michigan State. <laughs> oh yeah, so that's Michigan State. Now, can you imagine nothing against Texas, right? I mean, nothing against Michigan, but you know, people look at Michigan and you either love Michigan or you hate it. And you typically hate it because of the success they had and, and things like that. Well, that's how Texas is. And Texas still thinks like they, they still run football, and they don't, right? So I think they're going to go down there, and, you know, there's going to be teams like Mississippi State talking about, let's run up the score on those Longhorns. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't think it's going to work out well for them from a, a football standpoint. But from a money-wise, you know, it's, it's a great move to make. But – from football, I think they're going to get exposed. Yeah, it's all about the cash. Always all about the cash. Yeah. All right, yeah. Keith, NBA Finals are over. I enjoyed them. Uh, Giannis is a freak. Uh, I've never seen anything like that. Jeff kept telling me there's no way he plays. There's no way he plays. And then all of a sudden he plays, and not only does he play, he does what he did. And then he goes and orders 50 small chicken sandwiches at Chick-fil-A afterwards because we all need some good entertainment. Tell me what we saw in the finals. And... Yeah, did he se- By the way, did he send any to Joel? That, that's the story Keith needs to get right there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Breaking news. You know, I mean, here's the thing. You know, Giannis, someone, someone tweeted out. They said, wow, like, you know, him winning back-to-back MVPs turned out to be the, be the preview of what we had this year we saw in the playoffs. And it's true. You know, I mean, Giannis is a guy that everyone talked about how, you know, he, he couldn't make foul shots. You know, he. Um, you don't know if you can win a championship with him because he's too one-dimensional, and he didn't look one-dimensional that game. Or let's face it, he's a you know a forward. He's not like a point guard where you expect him to shoot threes, but he got to the foul line and he made them. And the thing that stood out to me was, you know, and, it, and this is a cliche that people talk about, but will to win. You know, like he's a winner. Like this guy did whatever he could to win for his team to will them to win, and he stepped through the foul line and he made shots. And and those are the things that really stood out to me. He stepped up he, in, in the biggest game of the season, and, and he did what he had to do. That's the thing that really stood out to me. You know, you're right about all of those things, but the the extra thing that stood out to me was, and, and this is where people are going to cringe, and I guarantee you almost everybody in Philadelphia watching this, watching those games was thinking the same thing. What I saw out of Giannis was no fear was a guy who knows that he is a horrible free-throw shooter. He's not a great jump shooter, but he kept shooting. He did not shy away. He didn't go to the basket and pass the ball to somebody else because he was afraid he was going to get fouled. He went out there, and he, with no fear, did what he did. And and he has the same skills, maybe a little bit better, but he has the same skill set that Ben Simmons has as far as his physique, the way he could play the game, and, and when you're a Philadelphia fan and you went through this playoffs, not only are you sitting there going, you know what, this could have been the year for the Sixers, you're looking at Ben Simmons and you're asking yourself, why couldn't he play with that mentality? Yeah, 
Exactly. I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, I kept asking myself that, too. Um, you know, but I, I, I just think that, you know, one guy, you know, one guy just unleashed it. You know, like you said, he played without fear. And, and that's the biggest difference. I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, they they have different types of personalities. Um, Giannis just doesn't care. I mean, he just doesn't. You know, he knows he's the man. He's the guy. Um, and, and you know, I, I just think that he's one. And, like, you hear the stories about him. Like, you know, we're talking about Ben Simmons getting in the gym and shooting jumpers, right? Well, you hear the stories of Giannis, they're kicking him out the gym because he's shooting too many jumpers and lifting too many weights. You know what I mean? They're like, dude, take a break, take a break. So I just think it's different mentalities. Also, you know, Giannis is the type of guy, when you hear his story, you know, he's one of these guys, he and his brothers, you know, they were like selling merchandise on the streets of Greece growing up, you know, trying to make money for their family. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you hear stuff like that, you know, this guy is like, you know, he knows, like, basketball was his way out. It became his enjoyment. It became his family's way out. Look at it. His brother's on the team. The other brother played for the Lakers last year. So, you know, it, they just got two completely different personalities, two completely different. Where is Ben's head now? And that's a, a hard question to ask. I don't expect you to kind of read his mind. But, you know, he goes through the offseason. He has his struggles in the playoffs. Then all of a sudden Giannis wins. Okay, now he's getting scrutiny for what he's doing in the offseason. This is my least favorite time of year when we can see videos of Ben in the gym shooting three-pointers all summer long about how great he is with that. We all know it's not his inability to shoot. It's un his unwillingness to shoot. Is anything that happened going to change what Ben Simmons does, whether it's here or someplace else going forward? I mean, I, you would hope it does. I mean, because, you know, you would hope it's going to change because, you know, this was rough. Like, the heat. I'm not going to say rock bottom, but for he hit Philly rock bottom, like how everyone turned Keith, on him. Keith, it's pretty you rock know, bottom. He was the butt of the jokes yeah, by a bunch of kids on the Aspies. Yeah, you know, it's pretty far. Yeah, yeah. So, and and yeah, Captain so, America. It's kind of when, Captain when, America, when Captain Mike America Zoki, takes everyone, shots you know? at you, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is, I guess that's uh, American, right? He <laughs> shots at people. He right? made it. So. So, so, um, so yeah, I mean, you, you would hope, I mean, because, you know, right about now, it, it's, it's kind of like, like you said, all that stuff, you know, right now, you, know, you got people in Australia, you know, publicly saying they support you, but you know, they're probably thinking like, dude, we had a chance to get, we have a chance to get a medal this year in the Olympics and you don't want to play with us, but you're out, you know, at, at Wimbledon with your girlfriend instead of being at practice and being with your, being with the Australian team. So, you know, I, he has a lot to prove, and, and he knows that. And, and then especially, you know, Giannis, of all people, that's probably the worst person to win a championship because of, you know, as you guys say, they have so much in common, so many similarities. And basically the only difference is, you know, one guy, you know, wasn't afraid to fail, where the other guy has a fear of failure. And the fear of failure is, is, is the big roadblock in front of him. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know if he can come back here because of that, because of the way the fans are treating him. But I, you, you would hope for him that he'll go elsewhere and he'll be able to at least put it together to, 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 to save, you know, his image, so to speak. Will he go elsewhere? 
Um, it depends on if if they can what they can get from them. I mean, you know, right now you will have to say that you know the price tag is kind of low. People aren't trying to give you anything, but the closer you get, you know, maybe not to maybe not the, the draft, but the closer you get to the season, you you would think that people will say, hey, look, man, maybe we need to up the ante. I mean, no one's going to give you what you want right now. But it's always as it gets closer. Think about when Kawhi Leonard was um, for, talking about he wanted to be traded away from San Antonio. And then people are talking about second-round picks, role players. And then all of a sudden the, the Toronto Raptors like, we're going to give you an all-star and we're going to give you, you know, we're going to give you another player to go along with them. And that's what the Spurs ended up taking, you know. So I, I think it's going to be one of those situations. All right. Well, let me ask you about the other Australian feel-good story. Matisse Thibault is now playing for the Australian national team. People mm-hmm. are getting a little excited about it. He's back to, I think, being on his social media and kind of gaining that attention. How is this helping him as a ball player, and what are you hearing about Matisse out there? I mean, it's helping him a lot because if you look at it, he's doing the things that people want him to do here. Like he's out there hitting, you know, hitting corner threes, and he's being a three and D type of guy. You know, um, you know, the, the big thing is what's, what is he going to do when he gets done? Is he going to continue to get in the lab and, and work out? Like one thing, I, I haven't reached out to people um, just yet, but I would I would like to know what is he doing, you know, while he's out there, like or when he was with the team. How much time is he dedicating to? just getting his own workout in. You know what I mean? I know people say it's basketball overload, but, you know, right now he knows that, you know, this is going to be a big year for him next season. But, you know, here's the thing. Like, he's only helping himself. Like, people are going to see Matisse. We all know he has a great personality. Or he's a great person. Uh, so what's going to happen is people are going to watch the games. They're going to see this guy, and his stock is just going to rise. He's going to play against a Team USA, other guys who, who like, what is it, like 46 or 48 um, NBA players in the Olympics playing right now, you know. So he's going to go up against good competition, and all that's going to do is just boost his profile and it's going to boost um, his confidence. So, you know, I'm looking for Matisse to have um, a solid season next year. I think this that's going to be the year – that he makes that push. All right, so the flip side of Matisse in Australia is Team USA, who had two losses in exhibition, has had to swap some players in and out with COVID. And more importantly, I don't think people realize the way that the NBA plays ball isn't the way that international ball is called. And I always laugh at NBA players who are looking for calls that you just don't get in international ball. They're going to be able to figure this out, Keith? I don't know. That's the the million-dollar question because, like, to me, you know, the NBA, like you said, they worry about getting calls, and we look at the roster, right? You see a lot of similar players. Now, they sent, like, Zach Levine is, is not with the team yet, but they, they sent Bradley Bill home. But when you look at, like, Bradley Bill, right, him and Dame Willard, I mean, they're similar type of guys. Kevin Durant, similar type of guy. You know, even Zach Levine, similar type of guy. And what I mean by that is, they're used to create, having the ball in their hands and creating and, and, and taking shots. They're extremely ball dominant. So the thing about this team is, you know, the one who the, there's one player who needs the ball, that's Kevin Durant. You know, the rest of them, I think they have to do a better job of fulfilling roles as a team. 
Like, I just don't like this team from a standpoint of you have too many similar players. You know, now they have Drew Holiday, who's a real point guard. You know, he's a combo, but he's going to have to run the point for him. And then Chris Middleton is a nice forward. But for the most part, I see too many guards who are score-first guards on this team. That's sort of my question. Who are the role players on this team? Who are the glue guys? You've got the big-name stars who want the ball in their hand. But you can't have all those guys on the court at the same time and have it be a team. Exactly. So the, the glue guys are going to are right now are you have Bam Adebayo at, at the center spot. You have um, you have Jeremy Grant right, and you have um, what's my man from uh, Michigan State uh, played for Golden State. Draymond Come Green. Come on, Jeff. Yeah, Draymond. So yeah, they have those are the three role players right there now. You do have JaVel McKee who gives you size, and he's going to be a role player as well. But for the most part, you know, JaVel McGee is a guy that they just had, right? So, so you know, and, you know, so that's what they have right now, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, it's definitely concerning if you care about watching Team USA play well in the Olympics. The, Olympics, the dream team they are not right now. No, they're not. They're not. So what's the next move for the Sixers? What do they do from this point? What 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 do we have to look forward to this summer? Other than lots of Keith Pompey stories. Yes. Uh, I, I'm thinking, you know, right now the, the the thing that's really important is Ben Simmons. What's going to happen with him? And then after that is free agency. Like, you know, I mean, there, you know, I wrote a, a couple minutes ago about that they had discussions. They're having discussions about you know, um, possibly trading the first-round pick or trading the first-round pick. And it's not a definite, but they expect, you know, talks to um, heat up leading up to the draft. And when you look at Daryl Morey's track record, you know, the last time when he was in Houston, the last time he had a first-round pick was 2015, right? (laughs) So, you know, you're looking at this team and you say to yourself, you know, right now unless somebody drops to him, the first, the twenty eighth pick is isn't going to be someone that's going to help this team. He'll be someone that is going to probably not in the rotation. You know, someone that's going to be on the G League team, right? But right now, they need veterans to who they can come in and, and play. Um, you know, they they need to figure out what they're going to do with Ben. But in regards to you know a, a guy at number twenty eight, they were lucky to get Maxi because Maxi dropped, but. For someone at 28, I don't look at the draft as 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 something important for the Sixers this year. Think about it, fellas. The last couple of years, there was a nice buzz surrounding the draft. Right about now, no one's talking about the draft. Yeah, because there hasn't been enough to see. I mean, yeah, we had a season last year with college basketball, but it just wasn't the same thing. So unless even the top of the draft, people have an idea who those people are, but there aren't that many people at the lower half of the draft that people know. And Keith, is that... Uh, thought of trading that pick in the first round, is that because there's guaranteed money to that pick, and by having a second rounder, you don't have to tie up money for a team that's cash-strapped, potentially? It's partly that way, but also for, like, Daryl Morey was always like a win-now type of guy, and, you know, yeah, that money is guaranteed. You are right. And and for 28 and 31, what's the difference, right? So, so it's like, seriously... Like, 31 isn't getting a guaranteed deal. I mean, unless he has a really good agent, right? But for the most part, he, he, they won't. 
But I think it's more so like when you look at it, you know, this team right now needs someone that's going to be able to step in, you know. And and you're right, that money is going to go on the cap, but they need someone that's going to step in. I mean, you can mess around and get someone for, you know, a mid-level or or a minimum, you know, had them for a year or two years and then get rid of them, you know what I mean, if it doesn't work out. But, you know, I just think that from a standpoint, you know, you're just drafting someone to draft them because look at it. You know, at the 28th pick, you know, you can say that player isn't going to be better than Tyrese Maxey. That player isn't going to be better than Matisse Feibel. Um, You know, what about Isaiah Joe? What about Paul Reed? You know, these are two guys who, you know, or should have a better role or or more of a role this year on the 76ers team. So, you know, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. You know, now – there have always been teams like Golden State who had guys and they turned them into, you know, bench players or, or quality role players. But, you know, for the most part, you know, I think for the Sixers, you know, the main thing is worrying about what you're going to do with Ben Simmons. You don't even know. Like, until you do that, you don't even know the needs that you're going to have for this team. All right. Well, look, we're going to let you go at this point. But for people who don't know, uh, Keith is quite the pitch man these days. I'm not going to let you <laughs> say who you're pitching for because I still haven't gotten my uh, cans of it. But tell me, if you were back in college, would you be pushing for, for the press to also be able to get money from name, image, and likeness? <laughs> um, yeah, because you know why? Because, because they were getting money anyway, especially at Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You turned your shot at a pitch wow. man into a shot at Michigan. Well played. Hey, hey, let me tell you, man. It was, I mean, you knew they were, I mean, like, every that, that was like the biggest joke around. Like, if you were like the four-star, five-star recruit, you know, this and that, you knew that guy was getting paid, right? That's a and, great and that's last how, word, Keith. You mean like Chris Weber? There you go. Uh, everyone. Hey, look, let me tell you, man. We had we had this one dude who like he dressed like a bum, right? At, at Pitt, big time, big time player, right? So I said, Yo, man, why does he look like that? Everybody else has cars. And then someone showed me. Um, they said, Come to the room. So we went to the room, and they showed me a picture of his crib, <laughs> his mom's house back home. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> you like that's why. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah, he was like the nicest guy, and but mom got paid. They got paid for the signing book, but that's how it was at most schools, you know. Even well, at, even at Pitt, and they stunk when we were at Pitt. <laughs> well, well, uh, yeah, they did. You know, the funny thing is, my my freshman year, they did make a bowl game, and then after that, it went down. Yeah, oh, which, so it's which, your guys' wait, fault. Wait, wait, wait. Making a bowl game when there's about seventy of them means nothing. What bowl well, game did they make? That bad. They, they played in the. Uh, it was in El Paso. It was the one in El Paso. Oh it yeah, was, uh, that's that's what yeah, every kid John dreams Hancock about. Bowl. Tell Jeff to take his nose out of the air, Keith. Not all of us. Wait, have, Michigan are, doesn't go to bowls anymore. Exactly. They were two and four last year. Hey, but listen, Ed, did Michigan go to the Rose Bowl while you were there? Three times, my man. I did with the who they lose to. Hey, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. it's it, <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> that's the last word, Keith. Follow Keith at Pompeii on Sixers. Always enjoy getting to talk to you, man. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. Okay, 
Thanks for having me, fellas. <laughs> Take All it right, easy, man. <laughs> Jeff, you thought you were getting Whoa, away with it. that was rough, man. Yeah, man. He started the interview taking shots at you, and he finished well, taking you, shots at you. Well, to be fair, you did kind of set him up. I am always willing to engage in those efforts. Wow. I support people who would like to do y- that. You know what? That That's called passive-aggressive behavior. For, it, just, you're Wait a, a second. Rutgers grad. We've hosted this show together for how long? Yeah. I can't make a decision on anything. Right. And you just now realize that I have passive-aggressive <laughs> behavior? <laughs> like, for real? <laughs> Come on, man. You're wearing your Rutgers red. There we go. Yeah. Why don't we hit the break? When we come back, we'll talk about Keith. We'll bring on Gary Waters. We'll talk a little Flyers and what they're up to, some Olympics. And you'll be using all these hand gestures. I'll have hand gestures. Yeah, uh-huh. Jeff will lose his mind. Stick with us. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. Jeff, we're back. Let's talk team names for a second. Which one do you want to talk about? You want to talk talk about the one that actually is a team name? Oh, actually, the other one now is a team name based on the two-minute video from Tom Hanks. All right, so I'll go with the Cleveland name first, and then I'll get to the Seattle name because that can lead into a little hockey talk for us until we get Gary on. Okay, so what's your opinion of the Cleveland? I'd have preferred something else. I had spiders, <laughs> you name because it. Because you were such a big Cleveland baseball fan to begin with. And no, I, I yeah. don't care either way. Right. But I, I wonder what the reaction will be there. Now, you told me there's a reason that they went with the name they did. Why don't you explain to our well, listeners? Well, yeah, because when you sent it to me, my first reaction is, well, this is ridiculous. Like, like why would they not go with spiders? Spiders seem like a really good name. And this comes from somebody who almost died from a spider bite. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh. News you can use on the heart of sports, yes, ladies and look gentlemen. up Brown Recluse Spider, and if you see one, run. Don't don't go there. Okay, yes. so they so decided not to go with they the went Brown with Recluse gar- Spiders. Gar- they went with Guardians, and the reason they went with Guardians is not because they're big fans of Guardians and the Galaxy no? or anything like that. It's because if you go to one of their famous bridges, there are all these sculptures, and those sculptures are called the Guardians. And it is so it's based on the history of those sculptures and the history of Cleveland. So, for Do you like it? Well, now that I know that there's some basis behind it, Who's I like it. Who's on the fence it. now? Make a decision. No, I, Do you I, like I, it or I not? I like it because now I know what the names are, but I don't Stop care. being But mean. it doesn't matter to me one way or the other because I'm not buying any Cleveland Guardians gear. I, I will say, Darren Ravel had one. You know I always enjoy the media side and like yeah. the web side of these things. You would think that if you're going to this much planning and branding, yeah. you'd buy the domain name for what you want to do. They didn't? They didn't buy guardianstickets.com. Oh. So it's now locked up by Cleveland's largest sports ticket broker. <laughs> so the ticket broker bought the ticket website to the team. Well, did, new did they do a better job than when the Vegas Golden Knights didn't lock didn't, up the trademark? That's how we ended up talking together and doing that's a radio right. show. So, so, so I'm did, not mad at the Golden. So did Knights. they at least do that? Did they lock up the trademark? I guess we'll find out soon. <laughs> They've got a video out. If it gets taken down for copyright and trademark infringement, we'll know. By the way, the biggest surprise to me was that Tom Hanks had any re- affiliation with Cleveland. News to you. Yeah. Okay. So. So tell me, Seattle Kraken, do you like that? I do. Release I like the, the Logan I li- logo. I like everything about that. Do you like what they did in the, the NHL? The colors are great. Everything. Do you, do you like what they did in the NHL entry draft? 
Do you have I, any idea? No, what they I, did in the no, NHL I, 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 I like watched part of it, but like I don't know any of these guys other than than Torinsky. I didn't know many of the guys that were in it. Obviously, the Flyers wanted them to take a Voracek or somebody with a larger salary to clear up cap space. That just wasn't happening. I still think. Yeah, and the, and, and the Canadians wanted him to desperately take Carey Price, and that didn't work. That out That didn't happen yeah. either. I still think the Flyers are going to try and work something out with St. Louis to get Tarasenko here. Too big. Salaries, I don't want him. malcontent. I didn't I say want you him. want him, but I think that's what the Flyers are going to try to do. Hold on, Mike, one sec. So I think that's what they're going to try to do. But I, I want to go through what they've actually done so far because I'm a little confused. All right. I, I, I get the move. So right before the, the waiver wire, they traded Nolan Patrick and Philippe Myers mm-hmm. to Nashville for Ryan Ellis. Right. Big defender. Good guy. Yeah. Locked in for six years on a good contract. I like the move. We call that a trade. I like the in move. In the sports lingo. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. then <laughs> they beg Arizona to yeah. take Shane Gossespierre. spare. What, what do you call that, by the way? What What is this deal? That's not a trade. It's not. You ha- in a, a trade, by definition, it means you have to get something. Well, they did. They got cap relief. No. That's that, literally that's, no, what that's the not, Flyers got. That's not a trade. That, But that's why they made the move. So they got nothing in return other than an empty cap They not spot. only gave up a player. They gave up a second round pick and a seventh round pick. They gave up, they gave up pick. picks. Yes. Uh, for nothing. I'm not. Don't under- give me the cap relief. But this isn't soccer. That's the reason that they did it. Okay. Then, mm-hmm. today, they acquire Rasmus Ristolainen from Buffalo. Rudely, right before our show, so we couldn't get any of the sports Yeah, seriously, to come we, on we reached out to it. all the Flyers right. writers, and they're all like writing yeah, their stories writing now. Right? <laughs> we're doing it. So they give up Robert Haig, and yeah. then they give up their first-round pick in the draft tonight, number 13. Well, I guess they're not getting so, a Michigan hockey player then. In total, they sent Shane Gossespierre. Nolan Patrick, yeah. Philippe Myers, Robert Haig, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a second-round pick, a seventh-round pick for Ellis, Ristolainen, and $2.25 million in cap space. That just seems like a lot to give up. Mm-hmm. Now, I get it. You're reworking your defense in front of oh, what you got older. hope to be your star goalie. You figure that a Cam York and some of your younger guys will come up through the system. Where did Cam York go? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Michigan. Is that the only (laughs) player that you know in the Flyers system because he went to Michigan? So you assume that some of those younger players will come up. And the reason I think Boracek will be moved is I think they still need to create more cap space with everything. I just don't think they're. So they're gonna they're gonna give him away too. I don't think they want to give. Are they gonna make a trade, or are they just gonna do the old give him away and see if we get a fancy bag of pucks afterwards? I don't think they want to give him away, but I think that they've decided that this nucleus isn't going to get it done. That. The Giroux Voracek core has had its chance, and it seems like they're breaking that up. Well, Giroux's not going anywhere. Were you surprised that. Not unless he wants to. Were you surprised by the moves they've made so far? Are you even following the moves they made so <laughs> no, far? No, yes, I'm following <laughs> the moves they made. I, I just I don't understand why they're making as many moves as they are for the pieces that they're giving up. I'm okay with Gostaspear going. I still. I know people are frustrated with Nolan Patrick, but I don't think he's had an opportunity to show what he's got. I think he'll end up playing well. He got shipped right off to Vegas. Mm-hmm. So Watch, he'll win the Stanley Cup next year. Well, look, I mean, Darius Saric almost got one for Phoenix this year. So. <laughs> Drew Holiday you got know, that, one that, for... That, you know, you laugh, but I'm telling you, the difference in that series may have been Darius Saric going down. Because... Oh, yeah. be, not because of him being great, but because they had absolutely no depth. 
no. at the front court. The well, Suns, they had no depth at the front court. Who did they have once Aiton got in foul trouble? Well, and that's part of the problem. Right. I mean, they, they just didn't have people there. We're going to keep trying to get Gary on the line. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think we got him just yet, so we'll work on that. Are you watching other NHL news in the offseason? Free agency period opens on July 28th. They still have... I'm um, watching the draft. They Are you going to watch the draft now? Mm-hmm. Only because there's two Michigan guys that are going to be taken, Of course, right? they are. by the third pick, I won't be watching, especially since the Flyers now don't have a first-round right. pick. By the time right? it's the third pick, it's past your bedtime, so it's all good right there. Actually, you're going to be at the Phillies game suffering again. Well, hopefully it, not. Why do you say are. suffering? Because it's really frustrating look to out the pour window. your People effort can actually into see. a team. Look out the window. Look, look, look. It look is out the window. Beautiful, it's beautiful outside. outside. It is. It's Citizens Bank Park is a great place to see a game. And it's then the Phillies, Zach Wheeler's pitching, and, and then, they're actually having like like J- your your favorite player, JT Realmuto, is playing. And then yeah, the bullpen will come in. <laughs> that's the problem. Right. Well, that's fine. Like you, you can enjoy it until that point, and then it's just not enjoyable anymore to watch some of these guys come in. You have to be somebody who can just enjoy baseball, being outside and watching are, the game. Are you able to just enjoy baseball? Of course I am. Are, are you? Well, you are. Yeah. I I get so frustrated by what I'm seeing with everything. Well, yeah. I mean, it's frustrating, but it's predictable. So once it becomes predictable, you have a choice at that point. This is more of a psychological discussion than a baseball so, discussion. But at some point, you just say, okay, I'm, I, I love baseball. I'm going to come watch baseball. So while we work to get Gary, I did want to ask you some different approaches this week from different leagues regarding COVID. Uh, you have ba- Major League Baseball. Marcus Hayes had a story this week about uh, that part frustrates me. Remain below the eighty-five percent percent threshold of vaccination. So, so the well, 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 wait, 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 let's just stop there, okay? So, half of the Phillies apparently are not vaccinated. If you're the owners in the front office of the Phillies, do you want to go all in, <laughs> make trades where you're getting high-priced pieces, with the distinct possibility that you could get to a point of doing well and all of a sudden be shut down? Jeff, you know that I read stories different than, differently than you, having yeah. worked in communications. So whenever I see a story like this, I ask the first question, who benefits from it? And then the second question I ask is, why would it go out there? And? This was put out by the organization, clearly. Yeah. They're not getting the buy-in from the players, and they're trying to use the media to shame them now. Because they can't get them to do I'm what they I'm actually okay with that. I'm not saying I yeah. mind it, but this is clearly a shot from ownership and management. But that, does, but that doesn't excuse for the me. fact that they're doing this. I, Bailey Falter's been on the COVID list twice. I, I don't blame. In like two weeks. So let, let me ask you, because this is where I'm conflicted, okay? You, you can't mandate them to take it. Do they have to give you an explanation? Like Aaron Nola says it's a personal decision. Does he owe you as a fan a decision, or is that enough? No, but at that point, then he has to be responsible for his decision. See, that's it's just like the thing with DeAndre Hopkins where he talks about freedom. You have your freedom, but there are consequences to your choices. And that's what seems to be lost in all of this is, is it's okay. You want to make your decision. I don't agree with your decision. I think you're hurting yourself and you're hurting other people by doing it. But the fact is, if you make that decision, you have to be an adult about it and say, I'm going to take the consequences of those decisions. You don't get to do anything in life without there being consequences. Well, we're going to get to somebody who has worked with young men through his career, teaching them about consequences. Coach Gary Waters, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for giving us some time again. Oh, it's it's great. I'm, I'm excited about the 
uh, we, we love to get to talk to you. And right after the decision came down on the name, image, and likeness from the court, you were one of the first people that we thought of because of how you look at basketball, how you've worked with players. Before we get into the specific questions about it, what are your thoughts on the ruling itself and where we are at this moment in college sports? Well, you know, it's 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 been a long time coming because uh, if you remember, you go as far back as the O'Bannon twins when they when they got uh, all into it and started trying to make decisions about this, and then they uh, took out a lawsuit, and you wonder what would happen to it at that point. And now we're at this stage today because I think because it finally had has ran its course. So we have we we are we are where we are. The question at that point becomes: Let's t- let's talk about it in parts. Let's talk about for okay. the play the players, then the coach, then then the, the schools. When it comes to the players, how do we do this? And if you're if you were at a university in charge of this system, what do you do to protect the players from those that are out there? that will prey upon them and to make sure that they do this in a way that actually does benefit them, which is what should be happening. Well, you said it right on right there. when You said they're going to prey upon them. Now, I don't know if you heard the one case that just came down concerning uh, the top college basketball player has signed a contract already. And I think it's something for something in the neighborhood of $20 million. <laughs> yes, it's, it's it's going to the next level, and what's happening here is what what you know what my concern with it isn't that the people that are preying on it's either, you know everyone trying to get involved in the process. You're going to have schools that are going to try to recruit players, and in order to recruit players, they're going to talk to other people that have the ability to to, to provide this for them, and they're and they're recruiting them as well. So how do you control it? How do you how do you stop? I mean, you were in a system you had to follow rules, and you That's advised right. you advised young men how to follow those rules as well. There's there seems to be no rules right now. So wh- if you were coaching, what would you tell your players? Well, let me say this, and I, I, I see it seems like I'm skirting the issue, and I'm not. But you know, think about the uh, the, the new ruling on. Uh, portal okay mm-hmm. when that hit i knew that we would be in a position where we would be, would be considering this time as the wild wild west time because anyone can go any place they want to go at any given time as long as they met their requirements now what the ncaa will have to do is catch up to what's going on and they gonna they will have to add requirements to all this in order for someone to get you know accepted in the likeness issue is there a role for the NCAA here, or have they abdicated their responsibility to a point where the horses are out of the barn and this is just not controllable anymore? Well, I, I, you know, right now I think they're struggling because I don't think they, they felt that it would come down this quickly. And they should have known. Which shocks me because, every I mean, yeah. you knew it was coming. Anybody who watched the arguments had an idea that this was potentially coming. So it just seems negligent to me on their part with the fact that there was federal legislation introduced in Congress. There was this going through the court. There are other challenges going on. They're an institution that's supposed to teach people, and yet it doesn't seem like they learned any lessons to be prepared here. And the O'Bannon case was a long time ago. It wasn't yesterday. 
That's right. That's exactly right. And and right now, I think they're they're backpedaling, if you want to call it that, and they're trying to make sure that they they deal with with the ruling first because it's a ruling out there at, at one point. But what what keeps it in, in in check? And that's what they're trying to figure figure out right now. How do we keep keep this ruling in check? And they're gonna have to have safeguards. I don't know what they're trying to put together behind this, but. Right now, a person can get as much money as he wants just going out there, and 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 it's not going to only affect the person. It's going to start affecting teams because you know if you got one or two guys making all the money and everybody's become more and more, you know, upset about those type of issues, you may not even have a team. So that that's actually my my follow up question. You're somebody who has dealt with men in locker rooms. And you also give coaches advice. How are coaches going to have to change their approach to manage a locker room where you have players with different levels of endorsement deals and some that don't have any at all? Yeah, that's exactly right. And they're making more than the coaches making. You know? so... <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You're going to have players at some schools that are making more money than the coaches who are supposed to be guiding them. That's unbelievable. Oh, it is. I know it's a major concern. Uh, the, the thing that we must put into into thought is that it's only going to be a few, but those few can affect the entire system. And now they got to get ahead of that because well, you got you got companies out there that's willing to pay the ongoing price for anything. Well, so that's you say that it's the only the few, but the problem is is while those few may benefit. They're the other ones are the ones that they're going to prey upon. And I'll, and I'll use an example of down south. There is a school that might be called the U where where somebody has decided to offer all of the players money, basically the entire team that to, in my mind, in my jaded mind, that's just getting access to the team, which is what. What you guys as coaches were try would try so hard, those coaches that were ethical had to sit there and deal with these kinds of booster what they would call boosters. How do right. how do you keep the boosters away from the kids now? Because even though they are adults, they are young adults that don't have the experience that people like you have and have to deal with this and make the right decision. Well, you know, one of the things that's gonna have to occur is that they're going to have to rewrite some of the rulings because right now the rulings don't fit what we're talking about. You know, whatever is said today, it doesn't fit into that whole systematic approach what we're trying to talk about here. So the NCAA is going to have to rewrite rulings concerning this one issue alone. Now, like you said, they, they should have been ahead of the game. They should have rulings already set in line, ready to go. I don't think they have, they, they have that in mind. All right, now I ask you, if you were coaching now, how do you deal with recruiting? Because this isn't, this isn't just the kids that are in college. As you heard, there's a kid who's years away from college who is apparently signing deals where he's going to make millions of dollars. And if, right, if that right. kid and those kids have already made that, how do you recruit them? I, I think I know how you, you'd recruit them, but how do most coaches, how are they going to recruit them, and how are they going to be able to say, I'm the coach, you're the player? It's hard enough in the, in the pros yeah, to do that. Yeah. 
How are you going right, to do right. that with college kids who come in, in some cases, probably making more than the coaches make it? Well, I tell you, it's going to be a very difficult process now for them because the head coach has always been at the head of the family. Now, I don't know if that's the case any longer. you got a lot of people and at that family table now. you got a lot of people at that table. You're exactly right. And the parents are the front runners. And that was one of the areas that we tried to keep away, you know. I'll give you a, a little example of that. You remember the young man, Norris Cole? Yeah. He played for the Miami Heat. He played for me at, at, at Cleveland State. I remember on his campus visit, his dad pulled me aside and said, Coach, uh, I just want to say my son's excited about your school. He's going to commit to you. I want him to tell you, but he's going to commit. But what all I want to say to you is you do what you have to do to get him on track. I don't care what you do, and you don't have to worry about coming to me because I will never say a word. You just do what you have to do, and when it comes to academics, talk to me then. Now, how many parents are you going to have working on that kind of aspect now? Yeah, no, they'll be transferring to another school at that point. (laughs) You're exactly right. They'll they'll enter the portal. Well, and think about it now. You're going to have to recruit the kid financially now. It's not just recruiting as a player. you got to recruit him on how much money you can get for him. Well, And that's sort of my follow-up question. When we had you on last time to talk about your book, we talked to you about how you wouldn't go in and talk down another university when you were recruiting. You would go in and tout the benefits of your program. How easy is it now for these larger programs to say, why go there? We can get you more endorsements here with all of our boosters. And that actually becomes a part of the recruiting process now to stress the size and amount of boosters that can pay these kids over a smaller school. And that's a whole other recruiting tactic. And I'm telling you, the coach that runs these programs today must know all about that concept. Because if he comes in and it's only about X's and O's and don't know how to provide the other opportunities for these players, he may not keep his job very long. So how does a coach deal in this climate now? Who who has the power? Is it is the power all in the hands of the athlete at this point? Or is it does the scholarship that the university offers have weight that they'll have to listen because of you know, they don't get these endorsements if they don't have the platform, or is that whole dichotomy changed oh, now? Man. When you say that, I mean, it, it really scares me. And and when I look at this whole thing today, is that each coach is going to have to look and see how many, what type of player they want to recruit. Do they want to recruit that type of player to come into their program to get an endorsement? Because if you do, then you know what's all behind it and what you have to deal with. And you, you better be prepared for it. You know, before, you didn't have to deal with all that. The NCAA dealt with it for you. Now you're going to have to understand it, and you're going to have to not. And here's the scary thing. The coaches are going to have to have relationship with the with the companies now, the booster companies, to make sure they can recruit this kid. Yeah, it, 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 it's chilling to see what we're going to have to deal with. And, and it's not to say that, that these student athletes shouldn't have these opportunities. It's just there seems to it, this seems to have been just thrown in as chaos as opposed to it. And, and you know, you, we learned about you first from your book, Ten Principles of a Character Coach. 
when when you look back at that book, which isn't that old, it only came out earlier this year. <laughs> well, uh, uh, of those ten principles, do, are any of those now harder to coach with as a result of this ruling? Oh man, uh, you know my the first one. Integrity, it's not the first one, but one of the early ones talk about integrity and honesty. You know, you, it's not going to be a lot of truth-telling in this, in this business any longer. You know, they're trying to get ahead. Everyone's trying to get ahead, and they're trying to get the best way to get ahead. And, and I'm afraid that the young man will never be put in the right position that would lead him down that character development way. It's all about what can you bring to our program now. Well, look, Coach, we always look forward to talking about how you're going to keep developing people and, and really appreciate your take on this. It's definitely going to change the playing field, and we look forward to keeping a talk to you as things go forward here. Well, I'm going to say this, though. They have a little time frame right now, uh, you know, to get ahead of either the NCAA, the, 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 the recruit, uh, the, the coaches, they all have time here. This may be, the time frame is maybe about six months to a year to come up with the right answers. So everyone's going to have to put their heads together and think about what to do to get in front of this thing because this thing can get totally, totally out of control. Now, the only reason why I say that, you know, I'm old enough because I've been in the game a long time. I came in when the, the, when the rules were very limited and you're at a point where it was almost the wild, wild rest. You could go into a, you could go into a home in the office. You could go, you could take them out to dinner on your own. You take the whole team out with you back in those days. But now, you you're back to that point again, but it's in a different manner. Oh, it's it's that on steroids. It's a, a much bigger thing that we got. <laughs> well, that's going. a whole separate. That's issue. a whole separate <laughs> issue. We're not going to get into that, Coach. We really appreciate the time. Look forward to hopefully talking to you again and seeing if the NCAA plays a little catch up here and gets their hands on this. Yes, yes, and it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much. You have yourself a great weekend. Jeff, okay, take care. Jeff, I can't imagine how you recruit and coach in this well, era. Well, it depends on which school you're coaching with. I didn't think right? about I that. I mean, think about it. You now go out. The one thing you weren't supposed to do as a coach, a college coach, is now what you need to do. You need to do. It you totally need to go out changed. and say, if you come here you can make more money. It was the one thing that coaches could not say. And now they go out and the thing that they need to market about their schools is who's going to be able to make the most money while they're there. Not It used to be come to our big school because our big school puts the, you into the pros. Now it's come to our big school and you'll make the money if you're not already making money. And that's money. not to say that we don't we're opposed to athletes getting paid. No, it's, we're just it's, talking about no the lack of structure yeah. that exists right now to implement this. And you like my hands going, mm -hmm. Jeff, I enjoyed throughout the interview. You were pointing out everything I said wrong. <laughs> so for those of you who can't see this on the video and are just on the radio, I get text oh, wait, message. Wait, I was waiting for what hands yesterday was about to come. I get text message from Jeff during the interview about the way I introduce a question, my hand gesture. No, no, it was just the one. So uh, that, you, that's you, what goes on while we do this show. <laughs> Jeff, we got a minute left. Olympics are starting. Are you somebody who waits to watch the opening ceremony till it airs in prime time? Or no, I'm going to the Phillies game. I, I, I mean, look, it was on while I was working, but, but I turned it on for about 10 minutes, and it was kind of absurd. There's like something surreal about all these people walking in with masks with nobody in the stands. 
with some teams playing so they couldn't even go to the opening ceremonies it it's just bizarre um, but i uh, but the one thing that i have always loved about the olympics is the athletes and how this is truly their dream come true and so for that reason i have no problem with them doing it because i know that we've had so many people that are there right now Which that is have been so guests cool. on this show that we know that this is their lifelong dream. And, and the fact that they're being able to do this makes it all worth it. It definitely is special that they get to chase their dream. I hope you and Alex have fun at the baseball game tonight and Zach Wheeler gives you a good start to watch. He's Zach Wheeler, Wheeler's lucky charm. Can he go nine innings around. so we don't have to see the bullpen? Last word, thanks so much for joining us this week. <laughs> Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start Way your to weekend ruin it. in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.